0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio.
1: Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And with that word of encouragement, uh, be anxious for nothing, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. It is Friday, yay, fire away Friday. All questions, all hour. Alex McFarlane here, so glad you're listening to Exploring the Word. And you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and I want to give the number toll-free nationwide. We'd love to have your Bible question so call in, and if you're a first-time caller, today is your day. Call in, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 and we will get to your Bible question on today's edition of Fireway Friday. We're going to take a little break from our prophets and kings of the Old Testament, and Monday we will pick up on Amos. If you want to read ahead for Monday, Bert and I will resume and we'll look at Amos. But today, oh, one of my best friends in the ministry is Wesley Wildman. Wesley is a longtime friend of this program. And uh, Wesley, thank you for making time to be with us on the show. And it's always just such a privilege to have you on.
2: Oh, it is. And I just enjoy being on with you, Alex. I enjoy the friendship. And I really, really, really look forward to being able to help out on this program when I can and be the utility guy, kind of come off the bench at the last (laughs) minute because... I uh, my primary job is to travel around and meet our supporters and those that listen to AFR and AFA and what we do here and they follow us and so I know that having traveled before that our audience looks forward each day to exploring the word as they um, we have equipped them throughout the day with and informed them of the issues that's going on throughout the day we have an opportunity right in the later half of the day on AFR to stop and have our own afr program called exploring the word where we go through yeah. the bible verse by verse and you and alex or you and brother Bert, do a wonderful job i've had an opportunity to sit under brother Bert for oh goodness uh eight eight years eight and a half years now and so you can just imagine uh, how much uh, discipleship and counsel he's given me so i don't know uh, how well i'll do to try to fill no. in these shoes but we'll make it work because um i just again i just enjoy this type program
1: well, you're always great, and Bert is traveling today, and he's with family some today, so Bert, Bert's not sick, nothing's wrong or anything like that. He's just having an afternoon with family, and we uh, applaud that, and we uh, certainly do appreciate Wesley coming on in. Hey, I Alex, wanna rom- oh, well, yeah, well, well,
2: you go ahead, and then when you get through, I was going to make a comment on the Bible verse you opened us up with.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, Bert and I recently wrote a book, I'm so excited, came out October 12th, called 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and it was a great honor. For one thing, we answered 100 of your Bible questions, and you all, dear listeners, you helped write that book, too, because it was more than 100 questions that we went through over 10 years of exploring the Word, and we picked the top 100, and we used that book during share It was just, honestly, folks, one of the most humbling honors of, of my life that something we did was used as a part of Sherathon. and uh and that book is at the AFA store now, if you go to uh, AFA store, as in American Family Association, afastore.net, and so uh, if you like this, and we, we just think that 100 Questions book would be a good resource for you, but I did, I opened up with Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and Wesley, part of the reason I shared that there's just so much in the news that's bad news in the media, and yeah, there's stuff to be concerned about. But the Word of God says, "Be anxious for nothing," and I, I just thought that would be a little word of encouragement to start with today.
2: Yes, it is absolutely. And you know, following the that cha- toward the end of that chapter, where the most, one of the a real famous verse is, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength." But as I began to study that a couple of years back, I remember coming across the context of that. So. That verse is very appropriate and very good and encouraging and something that we can be reminded as Christians that uh, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But I think it was even more powerful powerful for me when I began to understand the context there. And if you back up just a couple verses, the the layout there is being content in Christ, Um, Mm -hmm. and we find that also in Matthew chapter six verse thirty three where Jesus says. That uh, just to put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. And so we can just remember that in all that we do just to put Christ first, prioritize Christ, uh, prioritize his written word in our lives. And through that, we can have strength and we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Uh, being content in him, Alex, is an ongoing uh, a wrestle for us as Christians because, you know, we look at things and um, not that we don't have a role to play. We do. Christians have a role to play. We have our responsibilities. We have our duties. And we have to find ways to contend in this fallen world. Nonetheless, uh, ultimately, we have to also be content in Christ and what He's done for us, and trust Him with the results that we do. And uh, I just wanted to remind our audience of that. Is just uh, as we move forward today in this program, taking all the questions. Um, and you, you had a great passage of Scripture there that you opened up with. And uh, my part that I wanted to share as we go to questions is just to remember to be content in Christ and. But through Him, you can do all things.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, the number, if you've got a Bible question, 888 And do we have some uh, questions on the board waiting? Oh, nicely? my word,
2: Alex. We have got, uh, we've got them loaded up and ready to go. So let's not waste any Praise more time. God. Yes, sir, Alex. I'm excited. We're going to first go to your home state in North Carolina. Let's go to Sonia from North Carolina. Sonia?
3: Alex and Wesley. Um, first of all, Alex's book, Alex and Bert's book. I just finished it. It's great. Wonderful. Um, I suggest Praise it for God. everyone. Well, um, thank however, you. However, my question wasn't answered in there. Just finished Ezekiel, and they're talking about the new temple and the sacrifices, and I'm a little confused on that. In the millennium, are we going to have to go back to the sacrifices? Because I thought I thought Jesus was the one and done. And I'll hang up and let you guys answer. I appreciate everything y'all do.
1: Well, well, thanks very much. Let me start here, and Wesley, you can weigh in on this a little bit if you want to. Uh, what's interesting about the millennium, and that's the thousand-year reign after the Battle of Armageddon, where Jesus comes back and the armies of the Antichrist are vanquished and conquered, and um, there is a thousand years, literally, of peace on earth. I believe that, and I believe it's literal when it talks about that, but there will be people that are born during that thousand years and they're going to need to accept christ as their savior now uh jesus will be physically present on earth during the millennium and he will be ruling from jerusalem and we will go to jerusalem and what's interesting is that people will need to believe in jesus and there there is the the sacrifices of the old testament will be uh done but I want to say this, not certainly not looking toward the Messiah that would come because Jesus has come. History is all but concluded, and we know. But Wesley, I've always thought of it this way. In church we have the Lord's Supper and we, you know, we break the bread and we drink the juice and we commemorate what Christ did on the cross. I really do think that the um, sacrificial system during the millennial kingdom, it's not to bring us to salvation, certainly not, because we come to salvation through faith in Jesus, but I really think that so much of what we do during the millennium is going to be to glorify the great panorama of salvation. Christ came, Christ rose again, now here we are just like the Bible promised, we're, we're with Jesus on the earth. And the Bible says at the end of the millennium, for a brief moment, Satan is loosed and creates one final rebellion. Quickly it's put down. But here's my point. We will do sacrifices. We'll observe Jewish feasts and fasts. And we're commemorating the great salvation Jesus did. And yet, nevertheless, some—and this shows the hardness of the human heart— some born during the millennium will disbelieve even though Jesus is there and we're in his you know, millennial kingdom. But So I think it's it's pointing to Christ our Savior and the great panorama of salvation reality. Wesley, uh, do you have anything you wanted to add to that?
2: Yeah, I'll just add a passage of Scripture and then we can move to our next call because you handled that, and I agree with everything you said 100%. Just to remind our audience, First Corinthians chapter 15, this lays out and reminds us as we begin to study Christianity and we begin to study, uh, the you know, the centerpiece there, the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, you know, you can make that, you can study it as, as simple or you can make it as complex as you want, depending on the study and beginning to look into word studies and, and theology and things like that. But I just want to remind us at the starting point, and that's the simplicity of the gospel and that's that... Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen, three through. I'll go through six or seven to make the point, and says, "For I delivered to you of first importance what I've also received, that is, that Christ is dead for our sins in accordance with Scripture, and that was, and that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to twelve, and then He appeared to five hundred more brothers at one time, most of all whom is still alive." though though some have fallen asleep. And so I just want to remind us that the the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection of him. And through him, we can, through him and through repentance and faith in him, that we can be saved. And that is a message. That's the ultimate message here at AFA. We know that um, we do a lot of uh, work towards making things right and to stand in the gap for righteousness. But ultimately, we want to say here on AFA and AFR, Unashamedly, that we believe that permanent change happens by transformed lives through uh, jesus christ amen amen Amen. we're going to go to our next phone call uh we've got uh we're back in your we're staying in your home state for a while we got sandra from north carolina sandra thank you so much for taking the time to call us what question you have for us today
3: um yes my question is about matthew 16 where it says and i will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I was wondering, what does that really mean?
1: Great question. Do you, do you want to start on that, Wesley, or you want me to?
2: I'm looking it up right now. Go for it.
1: Let me talk about this. Binding and loosing, fascinating stuff. Okay, Matthew 16:19. Jesus talks about this, the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's talking to Peter. The Apostle Peter. And I don't want to get off track and talk about um, Peter and how he would, um, you know, be uh, one of the leaders of the early church. But some have thought that Peter, you know, he preached at Pentecost, Acts 2 14 through 40. And with his sermon on the day of Pentecost, beginning the church age, Peter opened the door of the kingdom, really, for the first time, you might say. So this thing of binding and loosing, God tells Peter, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is the key to the door of heaven? It's the gospel, to be saved. Now, I do um, agree, because later on it talks about um, wherever, you know, when two or three uh, pray in my name, I will do it. And I don't know if I hear that music. Is the break coming up, Wesley? Are we on the break?
2: No, sir. We've got about a minute and a half.
1: Oh, okay. Praise God. All right. Sorry, folks. No, I'm I'm sorry.
2: We're coming up on a break. We've got 30 seconds.
1: Okay, okay. All right. Let me say this. Binding and loosing, there's two senses. Heaven is bound away from you till it's opened up by faith in Jesus. But there is a thing where believers pray in Jesus' name. And that gets results. Now, we're going to come back. Stay tuned. More questions on Fireway Friday of today's edition of Exploring the Word. Don't go away after this brief break. Wesley and I will be right back.
4: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Neil Evans, Chief Officer for the Office of Connected Care at the Veterans Health Administration. He works to improve services to veterans, their families, and caregivers by increasing access and providing digital health technologies. Jeremiah 33:6 6 reminds us of the blessings of good health. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Neil Evans as he works on behalf of America's veterans. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
4: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pause2pray.org.
5: God has unlimited power that He's more than willing to share with us. But Dr. Tony Evans says too many Christians don't take him up on this offer. He'll explain why as we spend two minutes with Tony.
4: A woman who lived in the boondocks was used to lighting her home with kerosene lamps. When they connected the electricity, she now had. But the electric company noticed that the power didn't seem to be used very much. They went to see the lady and knocked on her door. They said, we've connected you with electricity, and we want to make sure, is your electricity working? Uh, She said, yes, the electricity is working. They asked, well, tell me how you're using the power. Well, she said, well, it's very simple. Every day I turn the electricity on, and I turned the lights on long enough for me to light my kerosene lamp. Here was a lady who did not know how to use the power she had. She had been connected with power, but she was still operating on a system without power. Every believer has been granted power. Prayer was given to us by God to contact heaven in order to get help on earth. But far too many of us are simply using it to light our kerosene lamps. That is, we're not utilizing, understanding, and maximizing the power of the king and his kingdom that has been granted to every believer.
5: Learn to connect with God's power through the privilege of prayer. Get details on Dr. Evans' message series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, by visiting TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring
0: the Word on American Family Radio.
2: Welcome back to Exploring the Word here on Friday. As we, our audience mostly knows, but occasionally we have new listeners. We, on Friday on Exploring the Word, we take a break from the Bible study or the book of the Bible that we're reading, and we take your phone call. So we have a whole list of those online here that we're going to get to shortly. I do want to remind our listening audience about the importance of the Orange Letter campaign, and that's something that I've been very much involved in for for many, many years now, and you can go to engagemagazine.net. That's engagemagazine.net, and you can fill out uh, your orange letter, and for those that don't know, the orange letter is a two, three hundred word note of encouragement that we will hand deliver to a partnering ministry with us, Global Outreach, and in return, they will send them out to missionaries all over the world for Christmas and those that are being persecuted on behalf of Christ as as Christ followers around the world. So those that are being persecuted and those that are missionaries around the world, we will make sure that we hand deliver your note of encouragement. You can go to EngageMagazine.net. It's such a great opportunity to sit down around um, the table after dinner, before dinner, and do this with your kids. I've done this last year. I, I intend on doing this with my kids this year. Last year I did it with my son Bennett, who at the time was five, now six, we sat down and I asked him, I explained to him, I got a globe out. And I said, this is where people live in different parts of the world. And we went over that. Mm-hmm. And then I began to explain, hey, look, if you lived in a different part of the world, Bennett, what would you say? How would you want to be uh, encouraged? And so we did it together. Alex, what do you think about this project? Is this something that um, you would you would also promote?
1: Oh, big time. The The Orange Letter campaign is so special. And Wesley... Um, I know not only from writing to missionaries with the Orange Letter campaign, but other people, a word of encouragement goes so far, and this can just be that thing that gives somebody a boost, and look, I've I've spent time on the other side of the world, and it, it can get lonely, maybe even a little bit discouraging, and this just might be the thing that lifts somebody up and just helps them minister, and so participate, and... I know if you um if you get the AFA journal, I've got the most recent copy of the American Family Association magazine. It's referenced in there. But where online again can people learn about this, Wesley?
2: Yes, sir. They can go to engagemagazine.net, engagemagazine.net and of course engage magazine is uh AFA, AFR's efforts to reach the young adults and college students. And we've d- i have been doing an excellent job with that. And also too, just to keep in mind if you do go in there and fill out the orange letter campaign, the, the word of encouragement, the note, and you submit it, you'll be given an opportunity to receive for free our premium to you is our orange letter campaign T-shirt, and it's a beautiful T-shirt that reminds you of the project, and we'll also let others know as you wear it about this idea that we're doing here. We do this each year around the end of October, 1st of November, and we're just grateful for the partnership. we've. In years past, we've got as many as 3,000 Notes of encouragement that we sent around the world to uh, 200 plus different countries, uh, wow. three or 400 different uh, missionaries, and so we are really excited about this project. But for with no further ado, Alex, let's get back to our phone calls. As I know that our listening audience is excited to try to get through and get as many calls in as we can. So are you ready?
1: Let's do it. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Your call on. Fire away Friday. Where do we go from here? All right.
2: We're going to go to the great state of Texas and we're going to go to Lisa. Lisa, thank you for listening to exploring the word today. What's your question that you have for us?
3: Well, um, so first of all, I don't think I'm of the opinion that we're not going to do, um, sacrificing animals and all that ever. But anyway, that's not why I called, um, So there's a pastor, and he is, um, like, doing, having people give tithes. And then he's saying, uh, well, we're going to also do offering, and we're going to pay for all this uh, state-of-the-art stuff for the church. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with the church right now. It's perfectly perfect. But um, apparently... He and whoever's deciding these things uh, wants everything to be impeccable and brand new, thinking it's going to uh, make more people start coming there and make people sign a pledge card to give money for the rest of the year extra. Now, is so is there like right? a building
2: project going on, or can you, uh, or is this a is this a local church that you attend?
3: I don't go there okay but, um no, the building is it's built it's built it's a building it's a beautiful functioning building
2: well that's uh let me i will I'll hop in here, Alex, and then you can make a couple comments um okay uh it's hard to make a um a judgment or a um response to not knowing all the details because in many cases. Uh, situations like that there's a particular project where from the outward it looks like they have all that they need and then they have a particular ministry that they are trying to build such as an outreach for the homeless or an outreach for um, foster caring or whatever and so sometimes they have an an additional ministry that they're trying to build a building for or whatever the case may be so it's hard to make a comment on why churches spend their money the way that they do However, just a reminder, uh, from a Christian perspective, it's important to have buildings and facilities in order to come together and to worship and to send out and to equip. However, the church, uh, we need to always be reminded, is is the individual Christians. Uh, For us, yes, facilities are great and, and can be useful, but the body of Christ, the church, is made up of individuals, and so... Um, and each church has their own. Uh, they, most, most, all the ones that I know have their elders, deacons, and they have a, uh, a functioning way. And that's sure. Obviously, we can even look in scripture and see that uh, where where Christians or churches or individuals, you know, were not frugal with their money and they uh, they overspent. They got in debt. You know. They, um, they bought things that were not necessary, and, and they neglected the needy. And so, sure, that can happen, but for us to comment on a church and their spending without any more details on that, I think that would be um, a bad idea on our part. Alex?
1: Well, and you know what? Um, tithes and offerings is how the church is supported. The gospel is free, but it takes resources to deliver that free message of salvation. And so... um. Again, I'm with Wesley, I don't know the details, so I'm very hesitant to, I certainly wouldn't critique or, you know, be critical of, of a church I don't even know anything about, but let me just say this, and this, I'm speaking for all churches everywhere, um, There there's nothing necessarily spiritual about being mediocre, and when, and, and I'm not for throwing away money, it, you know, everybody that knows me knows that Angie and I, we try to be really, really careful with money because it's god's money but i want to say this um trying to reach the lost world we need to be persons of excellence um I i think the music should be excellent i think the sound system should be excellent i think the building should look nice and be clean and and pretty and you know we live in a world of you know american citizens they go to uh... nice restaurants the businesses that succeed have to stay up to date and look modern, and I really think the church should not look sloppy and drab. I think it, it should look excellent to be appealing, and, and people will want to go there. And to keep your facility up takes money. Mm. So I don't them. necessarily think it's a bad thing to spend money to have the best particular church and church building we possibly could have to make it desirous for people to come.
2: Yeah, I had a friend uh, – I yeah, I'll make this comment. I'm looking at the time and questions. I'll make this comment real quick, and then we'll get back back right back to the call. Um, but I had a friend who was struggling with uh, buying himself a new vehicle after so many years and for different reasons, and uh, he has saved up and all this, and he started kind of feeling a little guilty about it. And I asked him, I said, well, let me ask you this. Are all your priorities in order? Because that's what matters. And I, he, he said, you know, I hadn't thought about that. I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, he was his family was accounted for. His church, he was he was tithing for. They were given the missions. I mean, they were doing all these things. Their priorities were in order. And then he um, made that decision to, to go ahead and purchase a new vehicle as opposed to putting money in his old one. So I think ultimately, I think, you know, for the church or individually as Christians, just make sure your priorities are in order. And, um, and, and as you said, Alex, uh, do things with excellence. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for calling. Thank you for uh, allowing us to help provide some of our experience and wisdom and things that we've learned through Scripture when it comes to finances and spending that. Uh, Let's go with Justin from Arkansas. Justin, thank you so much for calling. What question do you have for us today? All right, Justin, are you with us from Arkansas? Yes, I'm with you. Okay, all right. uh, Justin, hop on. It's Fireway Friday, and you're live on radio, so go.
6: Well, my question, I'll just get right into it. Uh, I've been teaching on the Book of Revelation, and I listen to AFR a lot, and I draw a lot of my inspiration from a lot of the different podcasts on AFR. And some of the pastors are teaching in the Book of Revelation. They believe that, you know, at the end of the tribulations, God will annihilate uh, and completely turn to dust all uh, all evil in the world. That once the tribulation is done. You know, the devil will be turned to dust, annihilated. Um, Basically, all evil will be annihilated. Now, there's other pastors that preach that they won't be annihilated. Instead, they'll be cast into hell where they'll be forever tormented. Um, I'm a little torn on this myself because uh, I believe that after the trials and tribulations, um, God will, in fact, turn evil to dust and annihilate it, and there will no longer exist evil, no longer exist in the world. Um, but I was just wanting your guys' thoughts on this, because, you know, several pastors preach different things on this, and so uh, I was just interested on, on your thoughts on this and your take on it.
1: Well, thanks. Let me uh, jump in here, and, and thanks for listening, and I, I commend you for studying and teaching the Word of God. Um, there, there are two things that we need to like keep separate here. When the new heavens and new earth are ushered in yet there will be no more evil and no more sin but that that shouldn't be uh construed to mean the annihilation of those that rejected christ and those that were that are in hell in fact revelation 20 verse 10 um talking about um it says that the devil who deceived the nations was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Revelation 20.10. So here's the thing. Um, I really do believe hell is real. Uh, Jesus taught that hell was real. Uh, People that reject salvation don't go to heaven, they go to hell. And the beast, the false prophet, and Satan himself were going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and they will not turn to ashes and be annihilated, they will be tormented day and night forever, says Revelation. Now, um, the annihilation of evil and sin, and there'll be no more sin in heaven, that's of course true, but the lost in hell will never like go out of existence. They will suffer forever for their rejection of God and salvation.
2: Amen. Thank you so much, Alex. And with that said, and all the calls we have, we'll move on to the next call. And we will go to Don from Oklahoma. Don, thank you for calling from the great state of Oklahoma. What question do you have for us today? Hey, Don, are you with us?
7: From Oklahoma?
2: Yes, sir. Don from Oklahoma, the Sooner State. You don't have much longer. Your your time's running up. I'm just kidding, Don. I'm just kidding, Don. Go ahead, buddy. Actually, I'm a U of M fan. I'm from Detroit. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got one in studio right now with his shirt on and everything. He's ready for the weekend. All
3: right. Are we still uh, asking if we're still undefeated? Do are we I still
2: undefeated? Yes. Yes, we <laughs> are. <laughs> or y'all are. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you so much, Don, and thanks for having a good sense of humor with us. What question do you have for us today?
3: Well, I've been searching
7: the scriptures, and I cannot tell uh, uh, let me put it this way, God created the universe, and it was just him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit when that happened. And then he created the angels. I have to believe this. And then
3: there's a a time between that and when he uh, creates man. and it and it just does not say it doesn't say I can't find anything where it says, that I mean Satan was already evil when he entered the Garden of Eden, but uh I I don't know when his fall was.
2: Yeah, that's a good mm. question. I'll I'm I'll, I'll read a couple Bible verses that will help us out a little bit, but um and then I'll make a comment and then Alice you can jump in. But in Luke chapter ten, verse eighteen, which Don, as you said you've studied this so you probably read this already, but it says Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and there's another passage in Isaiah that uh, says in Isaiah chapter fourteen verse twelve, how how you have fallen from heaven. It's referring to um, Satan, like a morning star, the sun of the dawn, and you have been cast down to earth. You once laid up low, laid low the nations. Um, so there's a couple of passages of scripture, and there's many more. But your timeline and your understanding is about as far as I've understood it myself. I don't remember. I don't remember studying or finding any specific place in scripture in which it gives us an definitive date uh now your timeline is what i would understand when i read it uh, alex i'll get your comment on this but there's there's things like this in which i i think in mind where it says the secret things belong to the lord and there's things that we just um have a generalization or or, a prediction but we don't have the hard uh date is that what how how do you how do you see this alex
1: well you know it's interesting in um Job 38, verse 7, it says the, the morning stars sang together for joy when God created. When God laid the foundations of the earth, the, the morning stars sang together. Now, in the book of Revelation, it says that the devil, when he fell, swept a third of the stars out of the heaven. Lucifer became Satan sometime after the creation of angels, but before the creation of the earth and human beings. Stay tuned, we're gonna continue more Fireway Friday after this brief break. Your calls, your questions, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Call us with a Bible question. We'll get to it after this brief break.
5: Interviewed family counselor Dr. Kathy Cook about practical ways that families can overcome too much technology in the home.
0: Be a tech wise family in a tech driven world, an article by Rebecca Davis.
5: She just gave really great practical ideas about replacing that technology. It becomes easier for your family to actually engage with each other instead of with the screen that's in front of them
0: to read this article and more visit afajournal.org
5: hello my name is todd Friel. i am the host of wretched radio heard right here on american family radio from 10 p.m till midnight central standard time not to brag but wretched radio from 10 p.m till midnight is the single best christian radio program on american family radio at that time period That's right. We hope that you'll join us Saturday night. See for yourself from 10 p.m. till midnight for Wretched Radio on American Family Radio.
3: From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's not by chance that Jesus refers to his church as the body. Just as it is with our physical bodies, every member has a distinct role and function to fulfill. Unfortunately, in this era of celebrity Christianity, we've reduced the concept of ministry solely to what occurs and what is often little more than Sunday productions and performances. The key to thriving in God's kingdom is understanding that every member in the body of Christ is vital and is called to
5: ministry. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham
0: Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
5: This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, Paul says this, If I have not love, I am nothing. If you've ever done any work with epoxy glue, you know that most often, epoxy comes in a syringe with two tubes, one containing resin, and the resin looks like it would work on its own, but it won't without the activator in the second tube. The activator bonds with the resin to make it actually hold things together. Resin without the activator is nothing. Love is like an activator in our lives. Our great works, even great faith, are nothing unless partnered with love. When love is the foundation of your life, You can form tight bonds with your spouse and your kids, your church, your friends, with everyone, because love never fails. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR.
0: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we
6: go.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane, Wesley Wildman. you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're so thankful that you are. The number is 888-589-8840. We'd love to have a Bible question. We'll do our best to give you an answer. Wesley, where should we go next?
2: Yes, sir. We are going to go next to Wayne in Mississippi. Wayne, thank you so much for calling. What question do you have for us today?
7: Yes, sir, Attic. I want to share with you, brother, Philippians 4, verse 7, where Paul wrote to the church at Sublify. Yes, the King James Bible says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall, listen, this is a promise, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want to share this with you, too. 2 Timothy, Paul was Timothy, A young preacher is going to be preaching God's word. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12, 13, and 14. But I'm not going to read all y'all can from the King James. But he said, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. What is it? The sound words come from the Lord Jesus' mouth thing which he was committed unto thee kept by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. God is looking for us as believers, brother, to keep this word in our hearts when he comes that we will have that faith that God had put in us with a King James Bible
2: i say this, that we are supposed to hide the word in our heart that we not sin against God. You can see that. And, of course, mm. uh, we Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 talks about how all the Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And on and on and on we can see um, in Peter, uh, first or second Peter, it talks about how nothing in Scripture was written by one's own interpretation, but was written by men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so... The Word of God is powerful, it's sharper than two, a two-edged sword, and it, it saves people, convicts people. It, uh, it 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 helps nations to build on godly principles. Uh, it restores family. So the Bible is very, very crucial. Uh, obviously, the ultimate thing is to get saved through the gospel, and then from there we have a responsibility to disciple. But um, Alex, uh, I agree with him on the last part about the importance of God's Word. I don't know mm-hmm. if necessarily... One particular translation saves you more than another. I I don't believe that to be true, Alex.
1: Yeah, well, you know, God gave His Word, and God preserved His Word. And the Bible, the Old Testament was in Hebrew, and the New Testament in Greek. And, you know, one of the beautiful things, it can be translated to any language. It's been translated in English. It's been translated in all the dialects of China and India and Africa. And so... Uh, Sir, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Folks, get yourself a Bible. Read God's Word. And though it was originally given in Hebrew and Greek, I praise God for Bible translation. And we put the Word of the Gospel in every language possible. Hey, Uh, let's go to our next call. Uh, Wesley, where where will that be?
2: As we're going there, I'll also add, hey, look, I praise God for those uh, Christian translators that translated it from the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and all that, because Alex, I'm going to be honest with you. There's no way I could have participated in that. <laughs> I, know, I know. Hey, yeah. folks,
1: if you're ever in D.C. and go to the Bible yeah, Museum, absolutely. you will not be disappointed. Every once in a while, Bert and I mm-hmm. go up, and we'll broadcast from the Bible Museum. And among the things you'll see up there, one of William Tyndale's Greek New Testaments, he hand-wrote it in Greek. And li- listen to this. We'll go to the next call. William Tyndale who his life mission was to put the Word of God in English so English-speaking peoples could read God's Word. He was burned at the stake. His final words, William Tyndale, cried out, O oh God, open the eyes of the King of England, meaning Amen. that he would let people have the Bible. So understand that your Bible, many people gave their life to get it translated and circulated, and makes me want to be responsible and read and learn it.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Alex, and thank you for all those that have listened today and called in with the remaining time we got left. We'll try to knock out as many as possible. Thank you for your patience, for those that are on the line, those that have been trying to call in but because the lines are full, aren't able to get through. And so we apologize for that, and thank you for your patience, and thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Let's go to Joseph. Joseph from Mississippi, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. What question do you have for us today?
4: Yes, thank you all for taking my call. I'll get right to it. Uh, I have a friend who's a modalist, oneness, slash Hebrew Israelite. And when I try to attempt to show him the distinction between the person of the Father and the person of the Son by quoting scriptures such as when Jesus says, your Father which is in heaven, he always responds with God's omnipresence as an argument. and says, well, God can be in heaven and on earth at the same time. And so I was want to know, how would you respond to that objection?
2: Alex very literally covered this uh about a week ago. I listened to you on the program. I was listening to the program and you covered the trinity and you handled it really well. Alex, did you want to comment on that?
1: Well, God bless you. Thanks very much. You know what's interesting? Um a couple of 100 years after the life of Jesus, there were some teachers that began to teach a uh, a doctrine that kind of um nowadays we might call it modalism um which It's from a Latin word that really means uh, single. In other words, there's this one God, and of course we believe in one God. We are monotheistic, one God, mono, one God. But modalism says basically, you know, in the Old Testament, God was the Father, and in the New Testament era, Jesus is the Son, and then now in the Church Age, God is in the form of the Holy Spirit, but now... The Father and Son no longer exist because God is in the form of the Spirit. Now, there was a famous teacher, by the way, that was very influential in the line of thought that would become Islam. There was a guy named Sibelius. And without getting too much into the weeds here, let me basically say this, that the Trinity, we agree that there's one God, the nature of God, there's one God. But God has revealed that He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, when uh, Jesus was here on earth, the Father and the Spirit still existed. Now, in the the church age, the Holy Spirit is in the world working, but the Father and the Son still exist. And so um, I I think that we need to understand that while it might sound simple to just say, well, you know, God is one, uh, and, you know, they deny the Trinity, but that's not how God has revealed himself. I think uh, the Trinity. We have to accept that God understood two things. God understands His own nature, and God was being honest when He revealed Himself to us. So God has revealed Deuteronomy six four. There is one God, but forever existing Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Many other verses we could give. Matthew seventeen on the Mount of Transfiguration. You've got Jesus the Spirit, like a dove, the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son. So God forever exists in three co-eternal, co-equal persons. Yeah, and uh, there's another places yeah.
2: in Scripture that I've taught my son. There's a whole lot of theology in such a short passage of Scripture, but John 10.30, Jesus said the Father and I are one. Amen. And so, um, yeah, John 8.58. Yep. Um. Praise so, God. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Do you uh, want to make final comments? Yeah.
1: I, I'll grant the the Trinity is complicated. For sure. I, I don't understand it, but I definitely believe it because yeah. that's what God has revealed.
2: Yes. Well, uh, keep being patient with your friend. Keep putting pointing him back to scriptures like the one that I mentioned, that uh, the Father and I, are, Jesus said the Father and I are one, or John 10:30. Um. And with that said, thank you so much, Joseph. We hope that was helpful. Like I said, I wish I knew exactly which day it was. Alex, but you also covered that too another day. So maybe you can go back to, go to AFR.net, go to AFR.net and click on archives on exploring the word. And there's a couple of, um, um, radio programs there. And you, maybe you can find it in there with that said, thank you so much for listening and calling in David from Virginia. David, thank you for listening to exploring the word and being a faithful listener. What question do you have for us today?
7: Sir, um, For you, y'all, and you listen. I am a a devout Christian, and 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 I believe. And but this, I'm trying to get it out. Okay, you hear these naysayers, these apologists, and uh, the atheists, and what have you. Now, people say you can't get something from nothing. Now, believe me, I'm a God-fearing man, but. How did God get here? I've heard, you know, well, he just was. Or he he just, But if you can't get something from, not, is it supposed to be a mystery? I mean, how did God start?
2: Well, the hmm. passage of Scripture that comes to mind is another one that I've taught my son, That a short verse, a lot of theology. And it says similar to what you said, David, but it says it uh, from the words of Scripture. It says, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It says, quote, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so that's about as simple as I can put it, and that's a passage of Scripture that's really rich. Uh, Jesus, or God, is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end.
1: Uh, great great question, and my goodness, people think about this. The uh, You know, the Greeks talked about a first cause. They're, everything in this world is, to one degree or another, limited, and everything is contingent on something else. You and I were born, but that was contingent that our parents conceived us. The tree grows out in the yard, but that was contingent on a a nut germinating. Everything depended on something else to get here, and a lot of thinkers have pondered this, and the Word of God addresses it. There had to be something that was not contingent at all on anything else. And that, that something is God. Amen. And the caller asked, how did God, when did God come to be? And the answer is, never. God didn't, quote, come into existence. God just always does exist. And he has all the power. And that's how he could speak things into existence. you know, Isaiah and Psalms says that he, he called and spoke the world into existence. Now, Wesley, you and I can't do that. Uh, I can't uh, speak anything into existence. Uh, but w- now we can take existing material and manipulate it. You can cut the tree and make lumber. You can bend the metal and build an automobile. But all that we ever do, we deal with preexistent material. God created the whole universe out of nothing. Yeah. Um, I, just like the Trinity. I don't understand it, but I definitely believe it.
2: These are two great, great back to back questions. And I'll just conclude by saying this and we'll move on to the next call. And that's that um it's important for us just to remember that there are some things that are an exception to quote science, if you will. And God being there uh from the from the very beginning, like you said, who had he wasn't created, he was the creator. And don't over um Don't overlook the simplicity of that in the name of trying to get to the bottom of something, um, because I do understand, and I have a lot of respect for David, uh you David, for wanting to get to the bottom of something and and to find the apologetic approach to it. But sometimes in the process, we can overlook the simplicity of the Christian answer and what the Bible teaches, which is Revelation chapter one verse eight, and that's that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So thank you so much, David, for calling. I hope that uh, you find some great comfort in the Word of God, even even amongst those that would be critical or try to critique the Bible and your belief and your understanding of where God came from. So uh, with that said, Margaret from Kentucky. Margaret, thank you for calling and listening to Exploring the Word. Margaret, uh, what question do you have for us today?
3: Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have a son that says he believes in God, but he doesn't believe in uh, Scripture because he thinks uh, man has interpreted it, been involved in um, proclaiming it. How can I direct him? I have been talking to him about William Tyndale. I even had a DVD and sent it to him concerning William Tyndale. Uh, And, of course, I've been praying for him. But is there anything else I can scripture or direction that I could
7: lead him
2: well I'll I'll make a couple comments Alex and you you feel free to interrupt me if you like but I mean I guess in some in some way you could find some common ground in the sense that it was written by men but but the difference is is that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit and they were inspired in a way that no other book has been inspired and so it was written by men but it's infallible, and it's perfect, and it's just as, as everything God intended on us to have to teach us to live a life of godliness. So um, now his, I'm guessing his implication is that it was written by men means that it has flaws and errors and things like that. But that's not true either in the sense that theologically, obviously because of the translations and because of people who are uh, scribes who, who wrote it and rewrote it, yeah, there's 1% of variations in things such as uh, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ uh, being swapped or maybe a couple of small minor grammatical variations, if you will, but there's no error. And so what I find great comfort in is over 1,500 years, 40 different authors, and they all said the Mm -hmm. same thing. Um, And so, um, you know, there's a lot more evidence for the confidence of the authority of Scripture, it being breathed by God, as I mentioned earlier, breathed out by God. as there is any other book ever that claimed to be God's word? So there's a great great amount of great amount of evidence there. Uh, Alex, with the thirty seconds we got, or the minute we got about a minute. So with the minute we got, what's uh, some resources you could give Margaret for hers for her son that doesn't believe the Bible is real?
1: Well, in John 10:35, Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. Uh in Matthew uh twenty four thirty-five, Jesus said, Heaven and earth would pass away, the word of God would stand forever. So Jesus believed the Bible is God's word. Was he right or was he wrong? He was right. Well, obviously <laughs> Jesus couldn't be wrong. Uh we pray he'll trust the word. Hey, I want to thank everybody for listening. I, Wesley, I wanna thank you for being with us on Exploring the Word. You can listen to this show and others archived at AFR dot net. Hey, read the book of Amos, Bert Harper and I will pick it up on Monday. We look forward to you joining joining us. Tell somebody about exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.